The Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Welcome to The Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan Bonzac. 3CR broadcasts from unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and into the future. On today's show we're going to explore the crossover between hip-hop and spoken word. A relatively new and unique event has sprung up in Melbourne recently called Speak On It, an a cappella hip-hop night which aims to provide an intimate and supportive gathering for people to come together and discuss mental health through the art form of spoken word or rap. With me in the studio, I have two people involved in the project. I have Class A. Hello. And MQ. Hey, hey. Welcome to 3CR. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. What happens at this event? Speak On It. We have an event coming up tonight. Yes, Speak On It is a night that um, explores mental health through hip-hop and spoken word. So uh, we all get together in a very intimate, safe space, usually at a gallery or kind of a creative space, something like that, to share a cappella rap or poetry, yeah, expressing some mental health issues or the way somebody's feeling or exploring, yeah, thoughts and feelings and just those kind of deep feelings that people feel that they don't have anywhere else to express them. So how did it come about? I am a rapper myself. Um, I'm the host and I've um, created the event as well. So um, I'm a rapper, so I've been rapping for about 20 years. Wow. I've been, yeah, performing a lot and towards the end of when I was doing a lot of shows, I was getting really annoyed that people weren't listening to what I was saying (laughs) and were talking over it. This really focuses on artists' lyrics because, you know, artists put a lot into their lyrics and it's a lot of self-expression and I just really wanted to put on a night where we could sit and really pay attention to what people were saying and um, listen to the the important things that are going into into these lyrics. I saw an event um, when I was in London called Mind Over Matter. Um, So I went to that and I just was blown away by the emotion and the skills and everything and just the impact that 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 kind of has standing there a cappella just speaking your mind in front of a really small kind of intimate crowd and I just I just thought that was so beautiful and powerful and and I really wanted something like that in Melbourne um, in the hip-hop community so when I got back it took me about a year to um, get the courage to put it on and yeah put it on and this one's number five now so and you have it in different places each time? Mostly I had it started at B-Side Gallery. A friend of mine owns the gallery in Fitzroy. Yeah, yeah so I like having some like a creative space where there's art or um, something around. This one's at Lupine Studios um, in Coburg. It's a, it's a creative space as well. So, um, yeah, not necessarily at the same place, but, yeah, just in, it's only been in Melbourne so far as well. So, And you're performing... This one, Mash. Yeah. Um, have you have you performed a cappella before? I have, but it's always been at Speak On It. Um, I've been really honoured since the first time I saw it. I actually got exposed to Speak On It through Motley. Um, so Joe, who's an incredible artist, uh, really powerful force within the sort of hip-hop community within Melbourne. 
Um, and he posted about it soon after we got connected. So I thought, okay, this is really cool. I want to come and check this out. And during the first time that I was there in the audience, I came up to Andrea during halftime. and was like, hey, I'm really keen to like actually share something here. Andrea was like, listen, we've already got this whole thing booked out, um, which means that there's probably going to be another one, which means please keep in touch. Um, and so then I was really stoked uh, when Dre reached out and said, hey, did you still want to um, put up a piece uh, and, and do that here? And it was only once I'd locked myself in to that, um, that I went, oh, hang on, no backing track. I have to actually say all of the words. <laughs> there's no uh, vocal ad libs coming in over the top to save me. Like, it's there's really no. scary. Oh, massive. I haven't even done it yet. um so it 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 can be quite daunting but I think what was really uh like really exciting for me was being in that audience the first time and feeling like it was a conversation so it didn't feel like someone grandstanding and having a monologue it felt like someone is sharing their really deep personal truth with me they're trusting me and I trust them that they're going to be really honest um so being in that room is quite inspirational and then getting up to to express acapella these words it feels really weird even this dynamic that we have right now is quite odd like hey here's a question speak long form about it for a while um so suddenly talking in rhyme and metaphor with no beat no real set start and end point except for what you know and having a receptive and warm audience that'll you know they'll clap or they'll hoot and holler in the middle because that's how they choose to express themselves in response to your truth um that is what really brings it home. So it's, you start with nerves and you end with this bubble of energy and warmth that everyone's kind of given you through this feedback loop. Usually by the end, I do have a few people saying, oh, do you have any space? Can I get up? Because once mm-hmm. people start, they can see kind of how, yeah, how powerful that is for everybody and they have something to say. So I've gotten to a point where I don't have to ask anyone to perform anymore. Mm. Um, They come to me and I've got a wait list every time. So, Mm -hmm. In curating it, what sort of considerations do you put? Uh, There's a lot of considerations, actually. I really, it's my favourite part of putting on this night. I like having a diverse night, um, first and foremost, um, in every way possible. Um, so diverse backgrounds, diverse genders, diverse topics. I'd like to try and find out what people are doing so that, um, we can cover a range of topics and it's not disjointed and doesn't all kind of flow together. And Mm -hmm. I just love it. Can I just say on that, like that first one that I came to, the thing that was the clincher for me was seeing one of your, one of the performers, I'm so sorry, I've forgotten her name, but she not only didn't rap, she actually kind of sung what her piece was. It was still like spoken word, but in this case, sung word. Um, but she, the topic was about her relationship with her child um, and what it means to be a mother and how mm. she's gripping and grappling with that. And I sat there and I went, I came here for hip hop and this is what I'm getting. And it felt like such a bonus. Yeah, bells. And recognizing, yeah, that's right. And yeah. recognizing that, oh, that, you know, is a part of that. Hip hop is actually a part of that level of self-expression and the fact that you can be so honest and raw and having that diversity. I didn't realize it until then, but I was like, oh damn, like Melbourne hip hop is still quite male dominated. Like that's just something that is a state of fact. Um, So now I'm suddenly at this thing and I get to hear like alternative perspectives to my own lived experience. Mm. That's really powerful. And then still going, okay, but there's common ground. Even in the story of a mother and her child and the, the struggles with that, I go, cool, I can put myself in the child's shoes. I can recognize my relationship with my mother and and vice versa as well. It is actually like a really powerful healing process. 
um, I find. Like, I find it is quite therapeutic and quite, like, cathartic for the performers, but also for the people in the audience. You see people, like, well up with tears and, and they sort of start mm. hugging and holding one another in the audience because they're recognizing that they're going through something like what this person's describing and they've just never heard the words to describe their experience mm, before. Yeah. And it's really powerful from that perspective that not only is it about the expression of, say, poor or, or good mental health prior that this person's gone through, but now it's about exercising positive mental health by sharing those stories um, with one another. Um, I actually had one of those last time. I just remembered um, one of our performers did a piece about um, spending less time with his children and it was an open letter to them. And then one of my friends who was there said, oh, her father left her when she was younger and if she had heard something like that, it would have changed her whole life and she was in tears and it was amazing. She said mm -hmm. that just helped me so much in my process of going through all of this. So. Yeah, it was amazing. So it sounds like it can get pretty heavy. Yes, and the more this goes on, the more I'm aware of that and the more responsibility I kind of <laughs> feel. From the start, we've had a clinical psychologist there at the events. I think I kind of ramp up and I'm, I will ramp up the trigger warning every time because people need to be in the right state of mind when they go there. If people are feeling really sensitive or something, I don't recommend they go. Um, it could be helpful, but if you know if if you're feeling really sensitive or really particularly vulnerable, I don't think it's a great idea. Um, you just need that little bit of strength to get through because you don't know what's ha what's going to come up. You don't know what the performers are doing. I'm pretty much the only one that knows what's going on, so I feel a lot of responsibility in that way. It is heavy, but most people feel really good after it somehow because <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, they can relate to, if you're not going through exactly the same experience, you can at least relate to the feelings that that are being set up on the mic or whatever and yeah. kind of relate your experiences to that. So that's the biggest thing I think about this. It's connection and knowing that um, you're not alone and everyone else is going through shit, you know, because we hide in our little houses and... And we we just feel so alone a lot of the times in what we're go what we're going through, but we're not we're not alone, people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's something about the human voice that soothes. I think it varies voice to voice. Like my <laughs> stuffy blocked nose right now probably isn't doing anyone any favors, but uh, yeah. but I definitely agree. I think it's I see language as a form of magic in a in an abstract kind of way. What we're doing is we're taking thoughts, neurons, brain cells that occur only in our minds and then translating them into something, sound waves, bouncing them into someone else's ears and then that's getting generated into meaning, right? And, and depending on what words and how they're said and what they mean to that other person, that generates connection. And I think it's the feeling of connection on the recipients, on the listener's end, that generates that soothing. I think we're all ultimately fighting this battle in our own minds of like, am I the only mind in this universe or is anybody out there? Like trying to answer that question for yourself can be quite hard. And it's only through proper conversations coming up and meeting people who are real, who are being honest and you're connecting with them in their truth and their honesty, because you see some of that in your own and you can share yours back with them. 
that I think is a really important medium that we have. It's why we've refined and continue to evolve language. At no point have we stopped and been like, we should just stop talking all the time. Um, for me, I can talk all day and it makes me feel better at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> if you're listening to this right now, you're at home and the spring weather is starting to thaw you and, and defreeze you and you're really looking for that connection, then coming along tonight is going to be a really, really great idea for you just to come and connect with other humans. And you don't have to sit and stay for every single piece. You can come in and just chat to some other people that are also primed and ready and emotionally intelligent enough to sustain a good conversation and just to be real with you. You can trust that everyone in that room that night is going to be real with you. And I just um, personally hate small talk so much. Mm -hmm. So this is the other thing for me. That <laughs> this is perfect for me. I just love diving deep into like the most, yeah, into the deepest conversations and the most real conversations because I just can't handle small talk. Medium to deep talk for me, <laughs> but no small. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mo Louie. And you're listening to 3CR 855 AM Radical Radio on digital and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. You are listening to The Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan and I'm speaking with Class A and MQ about the spoken word and acapella hip-hop event, Speak On It. On the subject of hip-hop and spoken word, mm -hmm. do you see a big crossover between the two? I think hip-hop has to have evolved out of spoken word and has to have evolved out of poetry, right? We've had poetry without beats and things like that for how long? Um, and only recently have we started to structure music in the way that we do. I mean, if you look at Western music and hip-hop as a subset of that, it's still quite limited from what the range of music can be in terms of time signatures, in terms of what rhymes mean. I was having this great conversation the other day with someone about how um, Auslan and ASL, I've only learned this recently, Words like time and rhyme don't rhyme in sign language and in, in the language used by people who don't have sonics and phonics to play with. Um, so that fact to me is really exciting because then hip-hop is just a new way to take the word and the spoken word. And for example, Andrea, you were talking before about how it can be quite frustrating as a performer to be doing a live show. You're delivering like really deep, really sophisticated lyrics and they're over a really hard beat and you're at a venue and people are talking and the, the sound isn't mixed right and suddenly all the words are lost. Hip-hop as a musical construct and as a culture is a really powerful vessel to deliver the spoken word. But ultimately that spoken word and the purveyors of it who can really dig deep within themselves to synthesize these really complex emotions and ideas into a few short words, which I'm struggling to do right now because I've just kept talking on and on and on. But when they're able to do that in a really powerful way, that's... That's hip-hop and that's meeting with spoken words. So I see that confluence and that crossover there and I see hip-hop as being more vital than ever to help that message spread. Mm, very eloquent. <laughs> I don't even want to say anything now. <laughs> um, in terms of the delivery rap, like because it's a cappella rap, I feel like people, it's almost like they're doing it in the same rhythm as if there was a beat but with no beat. So that's the a cappella rap. I really like acapella rap because I like rhythm in music and um, I really like spoken word as well. Um, so that's the other thing that there's a mixture of, usually there's a mixture of acapella rap and spoken word. I look forward to it so much. I look forward because 
there's just an energy in there that I can't explain. It's just beautiful. Lots of hugs and love and, yeah. So the clinical psychologist who's on hand, what do they do? What are they on hand for? Basically, Jared's there to be there. (laughs) He's there to be there if anyone gets triggered, if anyone just wants to have a chat. He's basically, I just say at the start, you know, if you want to have a chat before your piece, after your piece, if something, if you're sitting in the crowd and, and, you know, you've heard something that's brought up something for you, you can go and talk to him. Um, He's very lovely, very approachable guy. Um, One of the times he's done like a mindfulness session, the start and the end. So um, just to get us all in the zone at the start and the end, because I sort of felt bad, you know, bringing up all these emotions for people and then just being like, peace, you know, (laughs) have a good one, guys. (laughs) And just let you go into your bedrooms and think about all all of that. So trying to wrap it up with something a bit like we are all getting together and thinking about, you know, just being mindful and focusing on our breaths and making sure that we are all feeling good and... um, with spoken word, you kind of just listening to the lyrics and you're really digesting those lyrics and you're always listening to poems with your own lens, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like, oh, yeah, that reminds me of when this happened or this triggers something in me that, you know, I'm a bit sensitive about or I didn't think about this like this way. So definitely um, I always go home and, and think very deeply about <laughs> Spoken word, yeah. Do you think spoken word events do look after people enough? I don't really know what people could do, you know. Like, I don't think you can have a psychologist every time. But um, I think the community element of it is a good thing because people know, you know, especially with the regular nights, that you can always come back and discuss or you build friends who are into that sort of thing so you can talk to you know, talk to your friends who are attending the events about what happened or what was spoken about. So I think that if there's a good community around the spoken word events, which I think there is. Mm-hmm. I really like that idea of community. I think it's really important to have and it's why it's awesome to be a part of this Speak On It community because I think you've built something really cool here, Andrea. Um, by the people that you keep getting coming back, and that's phenomenal. Um, Just to sort of touch on what you're saying there, Brendan, as well, in terms of what the event is like, I think it's about that relationship between artist, product, and consumer, like in that live space. So, for example, a hip-hop gig, people will buy tickets, they come, they might buy some merch, they get some drinks, they bring their friends, they're there to consume. And they're not there to put in any work. They might hoot and holler and applaud, and that's probably the most that they contribute and it's quite surface level from their part, the artist might be actually putting everything out on stage. Or they might be there playing some banging beats, having a great time, crowd surfing, and they're generating a really cool, positive, happy vibe. But the audience especially is not really asked to input a lot. Something that is a spoken word event, speak on it, for example, there's a lot of weight to it. And there is not an expectation. No one's telling the audience that, hey, we need you to hold space for people we need you to um, give emotional warmth and maintain eye contact but it is something that naturally happens it's actually a really weird feeling to get up um, about to perform and literally everyone is quiet and watching Mm -hmm. and there's no other noises in the room there's no distraction and what you then feel what I at least what I feel when I get up there is like okay cool everyone's already ready they're already playing their parts in this like symphony we're about to play together I've just got to now do my part 
Um, but everyone's there and everyone's like, mm, like clicking, they're into it, they're really feeling it. So that relationship between artist, product and consumer is starting to melt away. And now you've got people that are putting in work and some people are feeling emotionally drained, even if they're not actively giving. They, they're being drawn upon to, to build that piece and build that space. And so that's why I think at the end of something like Speak On It, at the end of a really heavy spoken word um, event, people do feel a little bit more charged. The energy definitely feels displaced and it definitely feels like they are leaving in a way that is different to prior and if that's not given closure and they've had a lot of input that is quite challenging to them, then it's definitely imperative on the people having organized the event, if not especially the artists, but the people curating to look at that and say, okay, cool, people are going to leave here in a bit of a daze. And they are going to leave here having had their ideas of gender or religion or sexuality or any number of things challenged. Is there enough facility? Is there enough resource that we are providing just to help nudge them along rather than getting stuck with this new energy um, that they might not know what to do with. So I think that there is that organic sense of community for the people that have been there multiple times. But there's, I didn't feel like there was an overarching, hey, everyone, in case something's come up, here are some people you can chat to, here are some resources. So I think if and when it's got the potential for anyone that's putting on an event like that, if it's got the potential to get really heavy um, and really taxing emotionally for the people in the audience, for good or for bad, um, then consider if you want to provide some resources and let people know where they can go and get further assistance with these new energies and new ideas that they're going to be provided on the night. Mm, speaking about that, um, Speak On It does have a website, speakonit.com.au with mental health resources on there and I usually print them out and have them on hand as well which I know some people have used which is fantastic it's just a little bit extra guidance if people need some help afterwards do you find mash that when you perform a cappella you deliver it differently yeah yeah massively I think one of the pressures I tend to feel so I'll I'll be quite flowy and lyrically dense with my with my pieces um when there's a beat that i have to keep to i'll sort of run into the next words and sometimes that meaning gets lost and suddenly and the first time i performed at speak on it i didn't have that at all like i didn't change anything i just had the beat playing in my head and i just delivered it as if it was the exact same piece and then from that i learned oh I can actually pause between sentences. Mm. No one else knows what the beat playing in my head is. No one knows what tempo this is. Um, so that liberation suddenly means that that echo idea that I had that works on the track, doesn't work live, can work here a cappella where I can literally just say the same word four times mm. and it actually then carries that weight and I can say them differently each time and it doesn't need to be digitized. Um, that's initially a scary thought, like running out over the edge of a cliff but then suddenly realizing you have wings and you can fly if you want to um, is a really empowering feeling. So it's definitely something that's drawn me closer to spoken word. I've been going to spoken word events more and more since um, I've been attending speak on it. And that's purely born out of that recognition of like, oh, this is like, this is really cool. There's less and yet there's room for more, um, which is super exciting. So I really relish that opportunity. You do have to struct. You do have to deliver it a bit differently. Mm -hmm. um, but it's awesome because you think about what you're saying more. 
you know, and you get to revise your lyrics yourself and go, oh, I really want this to be pointed out a bit more and to hit people harder, so I'm going to deliver that a bit differently. Do you find that you're quieter? Yeah, yeah, quieter, more muted in terms of energy. My last piece especially, um, the last time I performed, I did a, a song called Third Culture, and that's a partnership with a, and that came about in collaboration with a band called Sikander here in Melbourne. They're like an electro... Uh, disco dance um, world music which I'm not sure about that term and how well it can really apply in the long term but for now uh, it's like quite Indian influence so we've got a sitar for example um, a saxophone like a huge variety and it's a really big production on the record so then performing the lyrics to that which are really personal to me um, without any backing suddenly I was like born in the shadow of a gulf war and already i was like oh okay i want to deliver this completely differently like the energy in the room was different i almost like didn't want to use the microphone because mm. i wanted to just speak these words um and that brings that energy no it brings the volume down and then it's up to the artist to recognize that volume going down means that you need to boost something else in terms of energy and that that suddenly starts to come out and suddenly i'm delivering lines that turns out they mean even more to me than I initially thought because now I get to actually just say them to a room full of people. Um, and that, yeah, that that difference in tone and energy, the volume comes down, but the energy and the, the meaning definitely comes up in a big way. This is the Spoken Word program on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan. I'm talking to MQ and Class A today about an event that's on tonight called Speak On It acapella hip-hop and spoken word to give us a bit of an idea of what acapella hip-hop is like mq is going to perform a track called third culture born in the shadow of a gulf war less than a year old already on world tour said g'day before assalamu alaikum parents taught him english and he learned as fast as they could but it wasn't long before the kid in kindergarten with the funny kind of talk and the dietary requirements came to see that he was having trouble fitting in. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was the trouble from within the third culture. Everywhere I go, I feel different. Everywhere I go, I don't fit in. Two hometowns, nowhere to call home. Can't feel the vibe, so I'll make my own third culture. Pictured this, just a kid in the homeland, surrounded by fam but feeling lost like a lone man. Mother tongue fluent, but they want to hear the Aussie. Mama said, do it, gotta make them all happy. But don't go outside, they might snatch ya. Dressed up in pride, it's unnatural. Keep your head down, don't act up. And if the kids are mean, then boy, it's just bad luck. And by the way, don't get too attached. Two years home and now it's time to go back. Say goodbye to all of your friends. It's going to be a while till you see them again, the third culture. Everywhere I go, I feel different. Everywhere I go, I don't fit in. Two hometowns, nowhere to call home. Can't feel the vibe, so I'll make my own third culture. After dinner, Mama would put the kettle on. On the telly, the Nahasapima pedalons. Role models that looked like him. Flat drawings with dark-toned skin. Crime stoppers and a current affair. The only brown faces with some facial hair. And how come Joey and Ross had no colored friends? It's dead. My only line is thank you. Come again. So tell me what good are two tongues? Growing up gecko in the land of the blue tongue. Eat Big Macs, get fat, blame the biryani. Should I join the army? Drop some bombs on my aunties. Or should I wear the golden green? Stay glued to the screens. Watch scenes of the beach blonde teens. Having dreams of a white picket fence and some kids. And a wife that pretends that my life don't exist. 
No better than a wedding to a foreigner, showing her the things that'll put the fear of God in her, saving her complex, saving her from this, abomination of a nation of convicts. But tell me, can I just abandon the plans of a family stranded so far from the land, a mum and a dad thinking grand for the future, raising two kids kind of takes getting used to her, in a strange new world, standing out the most alien, hoping that the kids will get called Australian. How do you protect them from a culture or assailing them? How do you do all that without failing them? There isn't a sure shot design for a person out of place both in space and time. All I'm looking for is my peace of mind. Everybody's got a culture. It's time I built mine. Third culture. Woohoo! Thank you. <laughs> when you were writing that, did that just come out? Yeah, more or less. It, uh, it, it, it literally started with that line, born in the shadow of a Gulf War. Um, and it just sort of flowed on from there. I think I knew for quite a while I had a note with just the title Third Culture for a really long time. And I even had like a quite sort of... sort of beat that's like a quite typical Sindhi beat for my culture back home. And, um, and recognizing that that's just there chiming away in my head. And then when I finally sat down to write it, the first two verses came about really organically. And then I, was, um, I got connected to uh, Dr. Deep, who's the producer from Sikandar, who we eventually made the track with. And um, I was walking to his house to go record. Like, it turns out he's my neighbor. And on the walk there, I wrote that last bit from the, so tell me what good are two tongues. Um, and that, that really flowed. And actually on the track, it's this ramp up continuous crescendo to get to that ending that there isn't a sure shot design. And it was this weird sort of almost a fugue state where my legs are doing the walking, my thumbs are just furiously typing away <laughs> this whole thing. And I get there and I was like, can you just chuck the microphone on? I need to spit this ASAP and then let's actually like construct and build and go from there. But, um, but yeah, it was one of those ones that the moment there was that spark from within, suddenly I recognized, oh, wow, there's all these feelings, there's all these memories attached to this idea that I'd not really thought to engage with until now. And then each time performing that, each time thinking about it, it's just helped sort of chip away at the trauma, air quotes, um, of that lived experience and allowed me to sort of heal through that and, and, and come to embrace my own personal culture even more. And is that something you notice when you perform it to audiences, that a lot of people have that lived experience too? Yeah, massively. Um, I had an experience recently of performing that at Bar Usu, and that is a fantastic venue mm. for anyone that's been anyone that's been there at like 2 on a Saturday, 2 a.m., uh, dancing outside. Like it's an incredible <laughs> vibe. And performing that, there was a, a guy in the audience, and we'd had a bit of a chat before, and he'd performed earlier, and, and we had this bit of a connection and I delivered the line, I, I tend to deliver the thank you, come again, as like a really loud, quite, quite angry sort of delivery. And I delivered that and he, he took it as a call and response. So he actually delivered it back to me. And I had this really awkward and confronting emotion come up because the reason that line exists in there is because that's how I learned what The Simpsons was, is I was in the playground one day and I used to have a really thick accent and kids would come up to me and be like, thank you, come again. Do say the line. You should say the line. Mm. It's like, what line is that, right? Like, you know, kids are kids. They don't know that that's wrong or bad. They just, they're equating, oh, that accent sounds like that accent that I know. They're like, you should go watch The Simpsons. It's got people like you on it. I was like, okay, interesting, sure, cool. I'll go check that out. Check it out with mom and dad. 
like that episode that was on at 6 p.m. that night before Neighbours and just after the news uh, didn't even have like the Nahasapima pedalons in it. So I was like, what's going on here? And it wasn't until, you know, a lot of debate around Apu as a character and all that representation stuff that I it really started to put it into place. I was like, oh, wow, yeah, actually for the longest time, that was the only person like me on TV that I had to look up to, aside from all the films and stuff from back home, which I don't really relate to anymore. Uh, so having that in the back of my head and then having this connection, having this guy in the audience actually connect and vibe and really enjoy the music that I'm making, say this line back to me, I was like, I don't know how I feel about that yet. Now, now I feel quite good because it's like, okay, cool. I've stepped into that identity. I've stepped into this thing and I actually see it as a source of strength, my difference and my diversity from other people. And then they're also diverse from me and I want to see their differences and learn from that. Um, but to have that line echoed back was a really interesting, powerful moment that really stuck with me. Mm. I hope it goes well tonight. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank I've you. really enjoyed this chat. Yeah. It's been really cool exploring some things. It was really like how you have a great chat, Brendan. It's been really fun. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Speak On It will be on tonight, 17th of October, from 7pm at Lupine Studios, Sydney Road, Coburg. For more information about the event, go to www.speakonit.com.au. Please tune in to Spoken Word every week at 9am, 855 on your AM dial, or stream from 3cr.org.au. And remember, every show is available via podcast from 3cr.org.au forward slash spoken dash word, or simply subscribe on your favourite podcasting app. I am Brendan Bonsack. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for Arts Express. Music